0: running could end tomorrow, and I'd feel really proud of who I am as a person. Mm. And there were points in my career where if that happened, I would not feel the same way. Yeah, I would feel ready to take on that next step in my life. And that's not me saying that I'm ready for sport to be over because I love it and it's a really important part of my life. But I'm, I'm really proud of how much I've been able to grow as an individual and know that uh, there's so much more to life than college athletics.
1: both from Seattle. That's how we know each other. We've known each other for a minute. Um, What was life like? Like, how did you get passionate about running?
0: Yeah. So I was a baseball player for most of my childhood. I didn't. Yes. I was a baseball to distance running. Yes. Second base and center field were my favorite positions. And I played club teams through uh, the beginning of high school. And I didn't really think of it as um, I I did cross country and track in middle school, but I thought of it as more conditioning. That was that was what I'd tell people when I would go to cross country practice. I'd be like, "Oh, I'm just going for conditioning for baseball," because I always thought people thought cross country was like a loser sport. So I was like, "Yeah, I'm just doing it." I mean, I know, but. I always was, I always was just saying, yeah, I'm just, I'm training for baseball and baseball. Yeah. You only have to sprint like 90 feet. So it's not, <laughs> yeah it's not, you don't need endurance for that. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I did cross country and track in middle school and high school. Baseball is in the spring and I didn't have a sport that I was going to do in the fall. And my mom told me going into freshman year of high school that I had to do something in the fall. And I was, I was a little hesitant. I was like, oh mom, I'm going to do baseball in the spring. It's fine. She's like, all right, you're either going to sign up for cross country or you're going to sign up for theater and do the play, which I think was all of her twist that year. And her, her, her logic was if you're going to a new school, you want to meet new people and uh, like make new friends right away. And the best way to do that is to join something like a sport or a club. And I didn't want to do the play. So I turned out for cross country. Definitely, that, I definitely How had. different your life would be if you oh, turned out for the 100%, play? I would have played JV baseball through high school and then... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that would have been funny.
1: When did running stop being something you enjoy to something like this is not only my passion, but this is my identity now. And this is like, I'm going all in on this thing right here.
0: Right. Yeah. So that, I'd say that would probably be the end of my sophomore year. Up until that point, I was an okay runner, but I, what I didn't think of it as being something I'd do beyond high school. At the end of my sophomore year, beginning of my junior year, my parents went through a divorce, and it was tough because I mean that's a tough age. I was fifteen, sixteen at the time, and I had two younger brothers, and I, I kind of took it on as my son, as the older brother to be the like the tough one and to help them through it as well. And I did pour myself into running at that time. I realized that I could really just channel all my emotions into training really hard into competing. And that sophomore to junior year gap uh, was probably the summer I worked the hardest in high school. And that junior year, I saw great strides in my performance, but I also worked a lot harder than I had in the past. And my identity as a person was uh, like this, the scales tipped a little bit. I was much more a runner than I was Jacob anymore. I was like, I was uh, a high school runner that was really trying to push it to the next limit. And uh sophomore to junior year, you go through puberty i I grew a lot, I grew probably four or five inches over that time, and junior year, I started to have the thought that, okay, maybe I could take this beyond high school At first, it was maybe division two II, division three schools I was looking at, and then my junior track season, I ran a four nineteen mile, which isn't incredible for a high school runner but that's a mark that can get you a walk on spot for most Division one schools yeah
1: it's respectable it's a
0: it's a respectable mm-hmm. mark and that's what I intended to do after that I decided that I I could either go for a scholarship at division two or walk on at a division one program and I was fortunate to be in a position where my parents were gonna be able to help me afford college so they they were pushing for me to make that decision to go mm-hmm. run uh, run division one as a walk-on
1: so If we go back to the summer going into your junior year of high school, so had your parents divorced already at that point?
0: It was spring of my sophomore year.
1: Spring of your sophomore year. So then right after that school year ends, you start summer. Walk me through what your life is like and then what it was like committing so much into running as well. Because like, I mean, I couldn't imagine going through that at at that age because- you know, my parents got divorced when I was like five. Yeah. Or four. Like I never knew anything different than mm-hmm. only having my mom and then eventually a stepdad and then only see my dad on the summers. Yeah. Like I didn't have, I didn't know what like a normal household looked like. Right. What was that summer? Like if you think back and dig deeper into it? Yeah.
0: No, I mean, running seemed to be the only thing that was constant in my life. It, that really? was the thing that I can control. I mean when you're going through something traumatic like that you kind of latch on to things that you can control and mm-hmm. my my home environment was completely thrown off because my mom was really sad, my dad wasn't there anymore and my both my brothers were really like they were young but th- so they didn't really understand what was going on. I mean one was early middle school, the other was elementary school. So they were they they didn't really get the picture the way I did. So they were also really sad and thrown off. And I felt like I couldn't have these normal conversations that I used to have with them for that summer. And I'd say I definitely closed myself off a little bit from my family and from some of my friends, but running was an opportunity for me to really uh, control my training. I mean, as a, I I mean, running is an individual sport in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and I was able to really push myself with my own training and, uh, really take control of what that summer would be for me and I think in a lot of ways it paid off because I did have a great junior year but I think it did create an identity shift for the second half of my high school running experience because I started to stress out more over races I started to put more uh more weight on uh, my races and my my self-worth and satisfaction and I think in some ways that that can pay off because you're pouring so much into it. But in other ways it can really start to create a negative relationship with you and your sport. Mm -hmm.
1: Like it's almost necessary for your identity to be like overrun by your sport so that you can do the work necessary day in, day out by yourself too. When you're in high school to achieve the goals you want to achieve running such an individual sport and you're doing it alone so much. Like I think back to my high school days and I'm like, every run I did was by myself mm-hmm. and on those runs, like at least for me, there was a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. in that. I'm wondering how your perspective evolved on those runs that summer.
0: Yeah. I, I realized that running was something I wanted to carry into college because at that point, parents getting divorced middle of high school, you don't think about fixing the relationship you have with your family in that moment. As a selfish 16-year-old, I was thinking, all right, let's get out of here. Let's go out of state somewhere. Let's find a college that I think I can push myself athletically and we'll move forward that way. I will – so I really was throughout the rest of high school thinking about that next step. I was looking to the the next step in my career. Wow, you were just trying to get out? Yeah, I was really just trying to get out. Why was
1: that – like – why was that divorce so so difficult?
0: Well, I mean, it's of course any divorce is. Yeah, be any difficult. divorce is difficult. I think the thing to remember is that everybody's affected by that stuff differently. For me personally, it yeah. was really challenging to have my parents uh pretty abruptly. I didn't see it coming and I they Really? Had, yeah, you didn't know? Oh, no, no, didn't see it coming. It was just So one what day. was that like? How would you find out? Uh dad sat me down and told me he was moving out and that was it. So it was it's really challenging in a lot of ways. And I think my, my experience with it was a little bit different because I was an older brother. I feel a responsibility to my younger siblings to set an example for how we should uh, like move forward as a family. And like, I want to protect my relationship with my dad and with my mom. And it's, you you have to like separate that now. It's not a relationship with both your parents. It's like an individual relationship with uh, your two parents. So that was challenging. I had to, I think I didn't take the time to really take care of myself cause I was really just trying to put on a brave face, take care of my brothers and um, really like be that role model. So
1: how would you describe the role model you
0: wanted to be for your brothers? Uh, I'd say I wanted, I, I wanted them to think that I was tough and that there are more like, I wanted them to, to also know that there are other things that you could pour yourself into and like, distract yourself almost like running was a distraction for me for a lot of that summer and it's really important to uh just push through that kind of stuff i i I don't think i was as good of a role model back then as i would have wanted to have been but yeah i think that's what was going through my head
1: what do you think you would tell jacob sophomore year of high school after your dad sits you down like knowing what you've been through now and what you've gone through what would that conversation look like
0: yeah i definitely say to uh, like slow down with your thoughts and be present i i rushed through the second half of high school and like i said I, I definitely got through that second half quickly because i was i was looking past high school i wanted high school to be over so that i could move on to that next step and it's funny because i get to college freshman year of college and i'm dealing with the same issues because uh, as a high schooler you think when you leave high school and go to college that all of a sudden you're going to be an independent person. And here I am 22 and I'm still relying on my parents for a lot of things. And I still have to talk to them all the time. And I had this idea in my head that I had just made up that when I graduated, I would never have to deal with my parents again. I wouldn't have to work like worry about what was going on with them. Mm -hmm. But that was, that was definitely a flawed thought. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: it's so much and it's so overwhelming to think about how difficult that would be for a sophomore. And I'm also thinking about running in the sense of like running hurts. Mm -hmm. Like running is painful Mm -hmm. and there's an element of like self torture in it almost. Yeah. And like, you know, for me, when my dad passed away, actually the day I so vividly remember the day that, my brother called me to tell me, yo, dad had a heart attack. He's in the hospital. And I didn't really know how to interpret it. Cause I was like, people get heart attacks all the time. Like he'll be fine or mm-hmm. strokes. You know, like I had just mowed some woman's lawn who had like five strokes and that's why I was mowing her lawn. And I went to Lake Sam, Lake Sammamish right after that. I think I had 15 miles on, on deck anyways. So I'm like, I'm going to do this run anyways. At this point, I'm already a runner. It's going into my freshman year of college. And that entire run, I like ran as hard as possible to like, I don't want to say punish myself, but I did have this thought of like, maybe if I suffer more, I won't, I'll alleviate some of the suffering that he's going through. Mm -hmm. And You know, I don't know what my marks were on that run, but, like, that has to be still one of the fastest runs I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Like, start to finish, just ripping it apart Mm -hmm. and, like, crying mid-run as I'm passing by, you know, people who trying to go on a quaint Sunday bike ride. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can only, like, that part of me in that moment is trying to relate to what you were going through that summer and, like, trying to use running to cope almost mm. with it. So you end up making huge gains as a runner, mm. as an athlete. Um, well, I guess, is
0: there anything more you want to add onto that comment before I move on? No, I mean, that's, it was a tough summer, but I think it, it was a summer that I, I poured a lot of energy into and it changed my relationship with running. But I also think it got me to the point where I was good enough to, uh, it, it allowed me to make the sacrifices necessary to quickly become good enough to prepare for college running.
1: Mm. So how did you end up at Colorado state then?
0: Yeah, no, I'd say I'm very lucky. I even looked at Colorado state. So I, I only even considered the school because I was dating someone who's on the university of Colorado team. Really? And yeah. So it was. It was. So oh, you, you didn't even care. No, no. I didn't know much about. I didn't know Fort Collins existed. I didn't really know much about CSU as a program. Yeah. I just saw my my girlfriend at the time was a runner for the Colorado team, and I was like, "Oh, there's a team that's an hour north of hers. Might as well check it out." And I looked them up, and I sent an email to the coach. I quickly got a, a response back. We had a phone call, and then I, I realized it's like, "Oh, they have two All Americans on their team right now," mm-hmm. and. They have this uh, this young guy that just ran 403. I maybe maybe these guys are legit. They might have a, a real program going on here. So, so I you email
1: the coach. You're like, hey, my girlfriend's an hour north. Can <laughs> I check it out? I uh, I omitted that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely got a lot of flack from the team when they all found out my first year that I was dating someone at CU. But really, what were they saying? I mean, <laughs> you can imagine the. I mean,
1: I don't think I can.
0: You you went to you went to WSU. Imagine if a freshman came in that was dating a girl that was on the UW team, the kind of tension that you might get from that. I mean, it, it was it was playful most of the time, but it's also your freshman. You get from seniors all the time, so that's uh-huh. just kind of what happens. But, uh, yeah, so ended up talking to Coach Seamers, and I was able to come out on a visit in December of my senior year, and I committed two weeks after that visit. I was very dead set on coming here almost instantly. Wow. So –
1: So you look at Colorado State, you give them an eye because your girlfriend is on the team an hour and a half north. Yeah, I definitely
0: definitely looked here for the wrong reasons initially.
1: So that's what gets you looking at it and checking it out, emailing the coach. You discover they got a couple of Americans, maybe maybe a program, a Bruin, Mm -hmm. and you commit two weeks after your visit. What was freshman and sophomore year
0: like for you when you got here? Yeah, I... I mean, I'll, I'll add real quick, the, the reason why I ended up choosing this place was over the other schools because they were all walk-ons. I, I, was, yeah. I wasn't getting scholarship. That wasn't a factor. I chose CSU because Seamers, the head coach, was excited for me to join. The other coaches, it was wow. more like Northern Arizona. Yeah, they went on to win three titles, and I could have walked on there, but their coach it was more of an afterthought. If I were to join the team, he was like, yeah, "Yeah, I guess you could join if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Seamers was actively saying, we don't have, we don't have money, but I think you'd make a great, uh, you'd Mm -hmm. make a great fit for the team. We'd really, we really think you could fit in well here. And that enthusiasm made me feel, uh, mutually appreciated by the coach. And that, that was a big reason why I decided to come here. So you commit,
1: so you end up at Colorado State University right? because the coach is actively recruiting you. He's excited. He likes what he sees. What was freshman
0: year like? It was a shock to the system. I had really? never run high mileage before. I, so what were you doing in high school? And then what was it like when you got here? In high school, I was running at most 40 miles a week. So really? So I'd run an occasional eight-mile run. If that, that would be the longest I would do in high school, most likely more like seven-ish. Uh And I get to CSU and all of a sudden 10 days or um, sorry, excuse me. I get to CSU and 10 miles a day is very regular for almost every easy run. Yeah. So that's the easy run. That's the easy (laughs) run. That's, that's our, that's our day between the workouts. Mm -hmm. So I get to, I get here and I, I have to run 10 miles a day, most of the days of the week. And I have a long run now. I had never had a long run before. And the long run was 14 miles minimum. If you're on the team, you're expected to go 14 miles for your long run. And did you just get your ass just beat? To oh, shit yeah. That year? I, was, I slept <laughs> so hard the first month. I was so tired every also day. altitude too. Yeah. I grew up at sea level and you, I'm, I, I'm, I'm about a mile above sea level in Fort Collins and there's less oxygen here. So I'm having to do more work than I had ever done in my life. With less oxygen, I'm just huffing and puffing every day. It's I it just was imagine adjustment.
1: you panting like a dog. Yeah, it was during brutal. your easy runs when, like, you
0: got all Americans out here, like, "Oh, we only have to do 14 miles today." Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because I not only had never done that level of training, but I was having to do it with guys who were better than me, and it was also in an environment where I had never acclimated to altitude mm-hmm. before. I I had never experienced that. Where were you on the totem pole your freshman year? I was last. I last. remember the very first workout of the season. I am rolling up to a park, uh, and there's, it's a grass loop, and we're doing some tempo work in it. And I get there. It's my first day on the team. It's probably our second practice ever. And I, uh, I see all of the upperclassmen take off their shoes and put on spikes. And I had never done that before in a workout competition spikes are something. I'd always just worn for races and I see them doing that. And I'm wearing trainers, which are probably triple the weight of the shoes that they were putting on minimum. And I realized in that moment that I was screwed and <laughs> I ended up getting pulled by coach. He just told me to stop halfway through the workout. Cause I was just getting dropped by everybody. And yeah, cause it was first of all, it was one of my, one of my first days at altitude. I had never done a workout like that before. And everybody on the team is better than me. So that was, I was a little worried about my status on the team at that point. Cause everybody had just seen me get destroyed in a workout. So you're, you do so bad.
1: You're so much worse at running than everyone around you Yeah, that you're a, you don't even know to change your shoes in the workout first off. And then B, your coach is like, no, nah, we got to shut this down. You don't got it right? You don't got it today.
0: Yeah. It was more damage <laughs> control at that point. He, yeah. he was like, all right, if we keep him in here, he's going to be wrecked for two weeks. We need to take him out <laughs> so he can recover. And now,
1: you know, fast forward two years and you end up finishing number four on your team at nationals and cross country, contributing to your team, finishing ninth in the country. And what place were you? Like 120th? I was 118th. Yeah. 118th? Sorry for the two-place disrespect, but um, how does that happen? Yeah, How do you go from literally so bad on your team that you have to get pulled from the first workout to contributing as a significant member of a top 10 mm-hmm. team in the country, which is an incredible accomplishment, and then being one of the you know, top
0: runners on your team now? Uh, I know it's a cliche to say it, but it really was brick by brick. My first year on the wow. team, I redshirted and didn't com- I didn't travel at all. Uh, I only raced a couple races locally in Fort Collins. My second year, I was in uniform now, but I still didn't really travel. I had a couple opportunities. Uh, I got to travel once during indoor, once during outdoor. I had a couple C-level races. They weren't anything crazy. I didn't make a championship team. I didn't make the conference team. Uh, The following year, that was the, the year where I was able to make the conference team for the first time. And then I made the regional meet for the first time. And then the team advanced to nationals and we, I got, I had the chance to help score for my team and help us get top 10. So
1: what happens, what goes through your mind at conference when you make it to the team the first time?
0: I was so insecure that whole season because on a good team, it's deep. There were on that team behind you on that team that year, there were nine of us with only seven spots available for nationals Mm. and all nine were equally deserving to go. And it's it's cutthroat you have guys that have worked just as hard as you that want it just as bad as you but it's a limited roster and it's a limited number that can compete at the national championship
1: so your sophomore year you uniform for the first time in your career you're finally having opportunities to race a little bit but you're insecure about your spot on the team mm-hmm. and then you roll up to conference you got 10 guys at conference right Nine guys. We get nine. You get nine at conference, and everyone deserves to go. And only seven get to go on to regionals, mm-hmm. and then seven to natties. So you have to fend for your life at that. What do you finish in conference? I was our sixth man at conference. Wow. So you,
0: you secure your spots to go to regionals? Mm, more Enough. or less. I was told after conference that my spot was not secure, yeah. and I had to wait a week to find out. Wow.
1: Okay. You end up going. I end up going. So, yeah, I guess walk me through the circumstance of that conference performance as a team and individually to then regionals and then to nationals, because that nationals race is where you finish number four on your team, Mm -hmm. arguably have the best race of your career yeah, and finish 118th in the country. Phenomenal
0: performance.
1: Walk me through the story of that season.
0: In the 2018 season, we were defending conference champions in the Mountain West, and we had finished top 10 at the national championship in the previous year. So there were high expectations for us. We came into the season ranked 10th in the country. And we started to really back up that ranking. We uh, we finished 6th at a huge race in Wisconsin, which is where the national championship was going to be held later that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we backed up that performance at the pre-NATS race. And we get to conference, and we're, we're ranked, I think, 8th or ninth in the nation. Wow. And we have a bad conference race, and we dip in the rankings. Not only that... But our number one runner, Cole Rockholds and five time all American, he ended up suffering a stress fracture in his leg, and he was out for the season after a conference in the race he he fa- like, so he raced um but the pain was so bad in the race that he he didn't he finished but he didn't finish as well as he could have wow and uh, I mean at that point we he knew after that race that his season was most likely over
1: uh he so to, you lose your number one runner. Yeah, we lose our number conference. one
0: runner. We find out a few days after conference, he gets the MRI, he's done, we don't have him for regionals. And we, I remember sitting down with the team and really talking about what kind of team we wanted to be. We were ranked eighth in the country with Cole, and we knew we still had a chance to do well at nationals. Uh, we go to regionals, we run as a team, we run as a unit, we perform very well, and we qualify. And at nationals, uh, it was really special because we had guys that stepped up and f- it's like we, we call it the next man up philosophy. We, we had guys that really stepped up and, uh, we, we were trying to race for Cole race for the team. I mean, Cole was a fifth year senior, so This was, that was his last opportunity to run cross country wow. in college. And he was an all American the year before we, we really wanted to, to race for him, but also race for the guys that the guys in the roster that were still home. And long story short, we end up getting ninth again as a team. But that was without our number one. You put Cole in the situation, and we're talking about a top five, maybe a podium finish. And we, we ran to our potential in that race. And it was, it was bittersweet because with Cole and that performance, who knows, maybe we would have had a national trophy. Uh, but Cole also would uh, agree that that moment in the in that season that adversity that we faced helped bring together the guys and i think we all learned uh why we were racing we were racing for each other really Mm -hmm. and that was the the best team moment that i've ever had really in my running experience
1: so the team loses their number one when you're ranked eighth in the country yeah you lose your number one at conference which is two races away from nationals and then the team bounces back unifies competes well enough to make it to nationals. And then at nationals finishes ninth. Yeah. And you play a big role in that finishing number four where you started on the team bottom of the totem pole. Like that is such an incredible and inspiring story. And it's also brick by brick, right? Yeah. Like it was never, it didn't happen overnight. Like it Mm -hmm. was the consistent training day in, day out that made it happen. How did that race and that season as a whole, maybe change your relationship with running
0: yeah, that was probably the first year in my running career where I started to branch out and be, be a person that, that was beyond just a runner. Really? Uh, what do you mean? So in high school, I talked about how running was my identity and I get to college and that idea was only reinforced by the, the added commitment, the added work that you have in college. By the end of my sophomore year, like, I was a runner and I didn't know who I was beyond that and really yeah i'd say yeah i didn't really know who i was outside of being a college runner and can you go deeper into that yeah it's a lot of athletes have identity issues they don't know really who they are outside of sports especially the sports where you're starting at a really young age i mean yeah i can't imagine what it's like to be a soccer player and start at age five i mean i started. So as, your entire life. I started as a, a freshman in high school, so I at least had a childhood where I wasn't a runner. I mean, some athletes truly start their sport before they even have other memories, and mm-hmm. and I, I I think about that. I yeah. mean, like they don't even know what life was they like. Literally before can't their sport. even comprehend it. I had a swimmer in my class this year who started swimming in elementary school, and she had her last swim meet in February before classes were canceled for uh, because of coronavirus, and I mean, she was saying like, yeah, this is the first time that I'm not a swimmer in like the f- like 15 years. Like wow. That is a Her lot. entire life. Yeah, her entire life really and that's a lot. Is there
1: a memory that stands out to you where you really struggled with that emptiness of identity?
0: Yeah, it, it really, I, I always thought about it because I'd see teammates around me get injured and have to sit out for maybe three or four months at a time and it made me realize, like, what would happen to me if that if if I had that same circumstance, and I couldn't run for a while, how would that affect me? And I started to get really scared of that idea, because, I I, w- I was unsure of what I would do if running got taken away from me one day, and I wow. knew that that was a possibility. It can happen to any of us. I mean, at any point, you never know when your sport's going to end, and. I I was really scared of that idea and I was actively trying to figure out who I was beyond running and I I, and I I ended up finding that through community and through uh, Really finding the reason why I was studying what I was studying and that's why I got into sustainability that's why I uh, became more passionate about my my business school studies and Yeah, the it's it's funny because my third year in college would be the first year that I I wouldn't define myself as only a runner.
1: And I think what stands out to me about your story is that you embraced your full potential, not only as an athlete, but as a student Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that's so key um, in this, in your identity as well, because by embracing your identity as a scholar and as a student in sustainability and business, you had a passion outside of running Mm -hmm. that you could rely your identity upon. And it's so sad to me when athletes don't, don't believe that they can achieve what they're capable of
0: achieving in things outside of their sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think athletes can limit themselves. Sometimes they don't, they don't realize how the lessons they, they learn in their sport are applicable outside of sport. They, Mm. they don't think about how they can connect that outside. And it's sad because a lot of athletes, learn these remarkable skills in college. They learn how to be a part of a team. They learn how to lead. They learn how to really work toward a goal that's, that's years in advance. I mean, that's, that's very high-level skills for 18 to 22-year-olds to have really mastered. And, I mean, I like to, I like to bring this up a lot. We, as student-athletes, at a very young age, learn how to make a long-term goal and work toward it. Not a lot of people understand that at our age. I mean, that's something that you might learn in your career well after college. But for our sport, we'll put a date on the map. It might be a championship. It might be, um, it might be like the first day of a camp or first day of like a major training block. And it might be months or years out and you're actively working toward that every single day. It becomes your lifestyle. And for other students or... Uh, other people that we go to school with they don't they don't they can't really comprehend what goes into that and more importantly they can't comprehend what happens to our mental when we fail with that mm. date on the calendar what do you mean so go more into that what i what i'd like to say is uh, after my team finished top 10 in 2018 it was november we I took we took a couple weeks off and then in my mind, I was thinking to the next November. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about what I had to do in the meantime to prepare the team and myself for repeating that success. So a year out, I make this plan to do this, like to to work hard and to uh, make the team succeed again. Yeah. What's on that plan? I mean, that's, uh, you, you talk about your training, you talk about the academic rigor of it going into another year deeper in school, you have, I'm now a junior and yeah. then you go into your senior year. Concretely from a training standpoint, from a training standpoint, it's upping your mileage. So I, I was at 90 miles a week throughout that next year. I started running hundred miles a week. I started going into the training room more often. I started getting more treatment, more massages. And I I really had to put more effort into keeping my body and my mind mentally prepared for that. Uh, that 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 demand of success. Yeah, necessary effort. Yeah, it is. A, it is a necessary from a mental effort. and physical standpoint, mm-hmm.
1: so that you can put your body through what it needs to be put through. Yeah, and you put your body through that so that it's capable of doing what you expect it to do mm-hmm. come November. So fast forward, and I was here living with you that summer, watching you train running 100 mile a week after 100 mile a week after 100 mile a week at altitude and you're con- that every single day you're on the edge of injury right like yeah. our bones are always on the edge of breaking like yeah. that is the reality of our sport specifically because it's so much pounding and so much pressure but that's just what it is like mm-hmm. that's what everyone does that's what the all-americans before you did and that's what you do and that's what the people the all-americans after you are going to do it's just part of it
0: um walk me through what happens that season yeah so We go into that cross country season with very high expectations, uh, from a, from a national perspective, but also I I expected a lot of myself and the team. Mm -hmm. We came in ranked 13th in the country Yeah. and throughout the season, it it did seem to be disappointment after disappointment. We, we didn't open very strong. We took a huge dive in the uh, rankings. Uh, the next race we dropped out of the rankings, we get to conference and we perform well. We get second. We were, uh, we were happy with that, but then we ended up not qualifying to nationals. And that was a very rocky season for the team, wow. especially considering that the year before we had uh, a great, fantastic cross country season. We, we were top 10 in the, uh, in the country that year. And yeah. then we went on to win two titles for the, we won the indoor championship and the outdoor championship for track as a team. So my third year as a runner, everything did fall in line. And I put this goal on the calendar that I want to go back to nationals and perform at a higher level than I did before. And I completely squander that opportunity. I, I prepare as hard as I can. I do everything mentally and physically possible to prepare and I fall short. And to come back from that is really, really difficult. And it's something that people our age often don't understand. And that's something when you're, I think student athletes have a perce- perspective when we watch other sports, it could be college or it could be professional. I always think about the team that loses say a football game or a basketball game at a championship. They have to go home after that.
1: Yeah. They got to get on a
0: plane. They have to get on a plane <laughs> and fly home a and, plane and ride live with themselves. Like that's not like fans don't really think about that. They don't, it's not, it's not like you just reset the next day. I mean that like that season continues to haunt me and it was like almost a year ago
1: walk me through that failure and how it felt in the moment what
0: was that plane ride like coming home from regionals really brutal i mean you you let down yourself you let down your coach you let down your team yeah. your what the coach say to
1: you guys what do you guys say to yourselves i mean Is anyone even talking
0: no one's talking it's a very quiet silent it's a very quiet back. trip home and it's it's tough but it's also the second that happens The only thing that can make you feel better is thinking about when you can get redemption. And really for me, I just started thinking about indoor season. I was like, all right, I, I, uh, I just want to, I want to make up for it in indoor. And fortunately we were able to get redemption because the team was able to win the indoor title. We, we won conference. I was able to make great strides in my own athletic performance with mile and with, uh, with scoring at the conference championship. And then coronavirus happens and then outdoors gone. I, I remember thinking during that that I had a really brutal season in the fall, but then I got redemption in the winter. So I can, I can live with myself as an athlete. I, yeah. can, I can feel like at least there was something good that happened from this year. And it was also validation that all that work I put in the previous year wasn't for nothing. Mm-hmm. I was able to say, okay, even though it didn't pay off in cross country, it paid off in the winter. And I, I feel, I feel for the athletes that aren't going to get that shot at redemption, whether it's because they get hurt, whether they're uh, seniors and they lose their season to a pandemic or uh, any other, I mean, there's so many other reasons why an athlete might not get to have that next opportunity, but that's, that's something that, that's a perspective that it's, it's really hard to understand if you haven't lived it. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of athletes in the NCAA that have gone through exactly what I've gone through, if not worse. And they may not ever have a chance to redeem themselves or uh, grow as an athlete because of that experience. Like, how have you grown through sport and your experience as a college athlete? I've used sport to enhance my my personality and my persona, I haven't, uh, running could end tomorrow and I'd feel really proud of who I am as a person. Mm. And there were points in my career where if that happened, I would not feel the same way. Yeah, I would feel ready to take on that next step in my life. And that's not me saying that I'm ready for sport to be over because I love it and it's a really important part of my life. But I'm I'm really proud of how much I've been able to grow as an individual and know that uh, there's so much more to life than college athletics. I, mean, I this and this builds on what we were just talking about. During indoor track, I challenge myself to, and it sounds crazy, but I challenge myself to smile, like actively smile, before every race, before every gun mm. went off. So I, I wish there were pictures of me like on a line. I'd probably look like a crazy person, but I'm I I realize like in that moment, like I I want to be happy because if I'm happy, I'm relaxed, and if I'm relaxed, I'm gonna perform well, and I did that at, uh, at the Iowa State meet. In, uh, it, was, it was at Iowa State University. It was a big uh, big mile opportunity for me. And I ended up running a 405 mile. I had a huge PR. And wow. I, I think that I was largely able to do that because I put myself in a position to be successful by enjoying the opportunity and by slowing down and appreciating what, the work that went into it. And just knowing that the only pressure is the pressure that I create for myself. Obviously there's expectations that are created by my team and by my coaches, but no one's going to hold yourself to a higher standard than yourself. And that's something that in that moment I really valued.
1: My brother, thank you, dude. I think that's a great note to end it. Um, Your story is so inspiring and incredible because it's truly a testament to the power and value of brick by brick and consistency. And your career didn't just happen overnight, right? This is what year... I'm guessing ten, nine for you or something. And only now in the last two years are you starting to see the benefits of those investments and sacrifices. Um, And your growth is just so inspiring to me and I'm thankful for you, man. So I appreciate you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to do this. Thank you for you and your D1-on-1 team. Uh, This is a really cool way to share athlete stories and to uh, shed some light on some things that I think a lot of people don't really understand the way that they're supposed to. And I appreciate that.